to always get the latest Game Tea, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at The Game Tea Podcast. We post frequently, giving you podcast updates, posting gaming news, and the occasional meme. Check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. everybody and welcome to another episode of the game t podcast my name is jp and i'm czar czar how was your fourth of july man oh my fourth of july was uh quick i didn't actually get a fourth of july um went back home spent a little bit of time with friends and family for a day then less than 24 hours later came back to where i live now oh my so that i could leave at six o'clock the next morning for a seven hour car ride to go pick up a new puppy. What's the puppy's name? Her name is Colby and she is a golden doodle, or as I like to call her, a poopa deer. No one has ever said that, but I love it. Well, you know, labradoodles are poop doors. And so naturally golden doodles would be poop deers. I feel like you're making that up. No, no, no. That's logic. That's some, that's some <laughs> logic-y logic right there. All right. We've waited long enough to talk about this. The coals and the fire are dying down. I think it's time to talk about The Last of Us Part Two. I think it is that time. We have probably about hit the month period, I think. Just about. By the time this releases, it'll probably be about a week before. This is going to be a spoiler video. If you haven't played The Last of Us Part 2 and would like to, first of all, what the hell are you doing? But second of all, get out of this podcast, go play the game for yourself, come back and hear my opinion. Here we go. We're diving into some deep waters here, Czar. I'm, I'm scared. I can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty buoyant. I'm very buoyant. Fat floats pretty well. I have been saying for weeks now, months even, that The Last of Us Part Two, I'm anticipating to win Game of the Year. This game has been shrouded in nothing but controversy in the last year, even before people knew what was going on in the game. Ever since it was announced. Yeah, yeah. It, before anybody knew anything about the game, it started off with like the Naughty Dog staff controversy, how they were being mistreated while the game was up. You know, all the talks of the LGBTQ representation, just predictions about the game. There's been so much controversy about this game. Before it came out, and about the time that it came out, it was getting review bombed on Metacritic by the people who supposedly, quote unquote, I love this series. That's why I'm giving this a 4.9 on Metacritic. So the big challenge for me was, you know I wanted to play this game. You know I wanted to talk about this game. But my job as a podcaster of video games is to review and understand things and look at things from people's perspective. So And maintain an unbiased opinion. Exactly. However hard that may be. Exactly. And it was really hard to not look at what people were so upset about. People were review bombing this thing and complaining, and I had to restrain myself. You know, this is one of the most anticipated games of this decade. Why is it receiving so much hate? 
what happens in the game that people are so upset about? And why do people care so much in the first place? What is it about The Last of Us that people just can't get enough of? Well, if you don't know the answer to some of those questions, like I said, you're probably living under a rock or you don't know much about video games. What's good for you is you've got me and Zara to help you out today. So when we're talking about The Last of Us Part Two, there are three things we need to talk about in order to understand the whole story, to understand why this game has been shrouded in controversy and to understand what are we supposed to do now? So essentially we're cutting this episode into three different segments. We're gonna start with what led us to this point we're going to say we're going to talk about how the game actually was which is going to be like a review of the game and then we're going to talk where do we go from here i think we're ready to jump right in czar are you ready i'm scared but i'm ready you should be you should be very scared <laughs> i can hear all the angry comments as we speak let's start with the first question what led us to this point why were people anticipating this game so much? Why were they so let down? Why is The Last of Us so important of a franchise? The Last of Us Part 1 launched in 2013 for the PlayStation 3 and was an immediate success. The Last of Us is essentially regarded as one of the most important video games of all time when it comes to storytelling. Not only was the story of The Last of Us amazing in of itself, it was actually what inspired so many different games that came after it on how they decided to go about their narrative, how they went about their story development and character development. The Last of Us was the Beatles of video games, all right? it's This is an important game. Which is crazy to think about when it's a simple zombie game when you look at it. I mean, not really, but like you wouldn't think that such an influential and monumentous game to the industry would be zombies. Well, that's actually a great point because people were anticipating just another zombie game. And you know how it was a decade, you know, seven to eight years ago when this game came out, zombies were all the rage. We had plants versus zombies. We had zombies from other planets. We had Nazi zombies. Where would it end? It didn't. It didn't. So people got into this game expecting another zombie adventure, but they were blown away by how magnificent of a story they just received to the point where you honestly forget there's zombies around sometimes. <laughs> I mean it. So what was it about The Last of Us that made gamers so excited and so happy to play such a beautiful game? Why was The Last of Us so important? First of all, it was the epitome of what the PlayStation 3 and all the graphics of that generation could do, honestly. So it was gorgeous, but I mean, that's nothing new. We see beautiful games all the time. This hit the mark above the rest, I'll admit that, but gorgeous graphics are not the only thing you need to make a great game. People loved the story. The characters were incredible. Joel's character development in the game was phenomenal. Ellie's character development in the game was phenomenal. Learning more about the Fireflies was phenomenal. That goes into a little bit of the amazing world building that went into The Last of Us. It was, you know, the world was amazing. Ta showing how the world had receded because of the invasion. Showing how people have receded because of the invasion. Meeting different people on your road to get Ellie to where she was going. And of course, the gut-wrenching story of The Last of Us. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of The Last of Us, you've been living under a rock. I know I keep saying it, but you know what? Here is the TLD. 
DR of The Last of Us. At the beginning of the game, Joel is seen coming home late at night to see his daughter, Emily. And essentially, that's the night the zombie invasion hit. As soon as Joel gets home, they all go to sleep, and then in the middle of the night, that's when the invasion of the zombie outbreak happens. And essentially, Joel does his best to get Emily out of that house, and Emily is shot and killed by a soldier because he thought they were infected. What a dick. That is the first 10 minutes of the game. Still a better love story than Twilight. The first 10 minutes, just feeling that love between Joel and his daughter, and then seeing his daughter get shot and seeing Joel's reaction because of that was amazing. I mean, the acting was incredible. I cried. You know, I cried. And it's the first 10 minutes of the freaking game. So essentially after that, you jump 20 years into the future where Joel is a smuggler for an organization. He doesn't really care about life anymore. He's kind of given up. It's just like he does what he does in order to get by. And that's about it. Until one day, his friend brings this little girl to him and says, you need to take this little girl to our base in Seattle with their organization was called the Fireflies. No, not in Seattle. Sorry, it was in California. Joel didn't bother asking any questions. He was just like, uh, okay, I'll take this girl. So then you meet Ellie who is 14 years old and she's fun and she's energetic and she's growing up and she's learning about the world. About a quarter of the way through Joel taking Ellie to California, you understand why he's doing it. Ellie is immune to the virus. And essentially, Joel is taking her to the Fireflies in California so they can use her and try and find a cure. Ellie and Joel go on this amazing adventure together. And over time, through the story and the character development, Joel begins to see Ellie as the surrogate daughter since he lost his own daughter. And Ellie starts to see Joel as a father figure since she didn't have a father. And they build this really amazing relationship. Tons of shit happens. It's heart-wrenching. It makes your stomach hurt. I cried at least three other times in between that and the end of the game. But let's fast forward to the end of the game just for the sake of this, for the sake of this podcast. Essentially, you get Ellie to the Firefly base in California. You've accomplished your mission. But then one of the Firefly members who you're good friends with to let you in on a little secret. In order for the Fireflies to get the cure from Ellie, it is going to kill her. And they did not tell you, they did not tell that to Ellie. And Ellie was perfectly okay with it. She was like, you know what? If I have to die in order for everybody else to survive and to get civilization back to where it was, I will do it. So she gets put under and Joel is about to leave the hospital before he decides that he absolutely loves Ellie too much and cannot let her die for the sake of, even for the human race, he will not let her die. So he goes back into that hospital, shoots Everybody kills everyone, kills the doctor that's about to operate on Ellie, steals Ellie, and gets the hell out of there. Whoops. Yeah. The end of the game is Ellie waking up in the truck as Joel is driving away. And that's the end of the game. Man. (laughs) Dooms humanity. Happy ending. But that's exactly why this game was amazing, though. It wasn't about the happy ending. It was about, first of all, that it was not a happy ending. (laughs) The game's about the adventure. The game's about the character development and the storytelling. They did everything so well. The story was incredible. You really felt for Joel and Ellie. And that's why The Last of Us was so important. Because at the time that The Last of Us came out, people were asking kind of a weird question. Are video games art? 
I think art is super subjective in of itself, but when people would argue that video games are definitely art, they would always point their finger towards The Last of Us, calling this one of the most expressive, amazing, beautiful, heart-wrenched video games that they've ever played, and is the definite proof that video games are art. It's like stepping into a Bob Rass painting without all the happy trees. You're damn right. <laughs> Instead, you're surrounded by terrifying clickers. And we're going to put a happy little cloud right here and a half-dead clicker right here. A munched-up half-corpse right here <laughs> and just lots of blood over here in dismemberment. Oh, isn't that just a beautiful little picture? And just a happy little arm on the... How great is Bob Ross? <laughs> the holy trinity of wholesomeness. Him and Steve Irwin and Mr. Rogers. All right, so in a nutshell, that's The Last of Us Part 1, and that's why it was such an important video game. If you understand all of what I just said, you're going to start to understand why this game has been shrouded in controversy with its fans upon release. Before I get there, Zar, do you have any questions? I don't believe so, but... I'm thinking that these fireflies weren't all above the notion to receive a cure by killing her. Nah, man, they were a cult. They were going to eat her. Why would they do that? I don't know. Savage civilization. I've seen Why it would they bring a girl across the United States just to eat her? There's other people. Well, they're not immune. That's just cannibalism. This is science. <sighs> or science. I'm not telling you things anymore. You just ruin it. <laughs> if there are no questions, the next big question was, how was the game? How was The Last of Us Part 2? Why are we here? Are the reviews that have been getting left on Metacritic that have given it a 4.9 out of 10, are they really justified? As a disclaimer, though, the actual critic reviews on Metacritic are really good. Now, to be fair... I have said in a past podcast episode, you have to be wary of critic reviews. And by I wouldn't be good at this if I, you know, decided now, oh, no, you can listen to the critics. You have to be wary of the critics. But for fairness, they gave it a 9.4 out of 10. But you are right, Zar. You are right. We have to take it in consideration. Crazy, though, the differentiation. I mean, you would think that the skew would be in the opposite direction, that the critics would hate it and the people would love it. That's usually how it goes. So let's let's do a quick rundown of the game. If I was the one who left a review on Metacritic, what would I give the game? As always, I have categories that I like to use when I'm rating a game. And essentially I take the average of those categories and I use that to make a score for the game. I thought that's how everyone did it, but no, we've talked about this before on Rate That Rating. If you look at the bad reviews, it's like, oh, well, you know, the visuals are the best visuals I've ever seen in my life. The gameplay was great, and the mechanics and voice acting made me cry, but I wasn't a big fan of the story. One out of ten. How many times do we have to see this happen? I feel like we should insert um, a montage here of every time we have bitched about critics on this oh podcast. Oh, my God. It'd be like a five-minute just, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> You're not wrong. Oh, I hate people. <laughs> All right, so let's give a quick rundown, and I'm going to talk about my main talking points about how to grade a video game, except for the story. For once, I'm saving the story for last because that's where the controversy really is. Visuals and sound engineering, 10 out of 10. 
This is an amazingly beautiful, well-crafted game. What a way to end the life for the PlayStation 4. This is one of the last big PS4 titles before we hop onto the next generation with the PS5 and the uh, Xbox Series X. What a way to end the generation. Beautiful, outstanding game with sound engineering that would make you think that you're not outside really living in the zombie apocalypse right now. Visuals and sound get a 10 out of 10. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Gameplay. The gameplay in The Last of Us was already really good. And I kind of had the, if it's not broken, don't fix it type attitude. But they just made everything slightly better. Like little things, like you can craft faster, you can craft different things. You can actually dodge. You couldn't dodge in the first The Last of Us. And I'm gonna be honest, that got on my nerves a little bit, but in this one you can dodge. What a concept, am I right? Yeah, that's a very basic necessity for most modern games at this point. Uh, game mechanics, a nine out of 10. Um, a few buggy, glitchy things here and there, but all around just a really well put together game, which Naughty Dog did not disappoint once again in that department. Voice acting, 9.5 out of 10. Some of the most phenomenal voice acting I've ever seen in a video game. Every character was just brought to life by the voice actors. It was phenomenal. And I didn't expect anything less. Every once in a while, there was a piece of like dialogue or monologue between people that seemed a little off or not well written. And that's the only reason I gave it like half a point off. But other than that, beautiful. 9.5 out of 10 for voice acting. Now, let's talk about the story and the characters. Cause like I said, everything else was great about this game. Beautiful, phenomenal, well-crafted, but that's not what people are upset about. People who are on Metacritic giving this game zeros out of tens, ones out of tens, twos out of tens, their main complaint is about the story and the characters. Essentially what I wanted to do is just go down the list of kind of the biggest things people had to say when they were giving this game such shit reviews and say whether or not I feel it was justified. But before I do, I wanted to bring up a Toby Fox quote. Now, if you don't know who Toby Fox is, who doesn't know who Toby Fox is? Am I right, Czar? Am I right? You're pretty right. He's, he's pretty well known across the globe. <laughs> uh, amongst the gaming community. Toby Fox was the creator of Undertale. If you don't know what Undertale is, it was an RPG that came out back in 2015 and was one of the most well-received games made by a single individual that's ever been created before amazing, phenomenal game that really made people emotional and gave them this type of experience that they've never had in a video game before. It was really incredible. So it came time for Toby Fox to make a sequel to Undertale. That's about the time he came out with this little quote that I wanna just say right now. Here's the quote from Toby Fox. The expectations for my next work would be really high. So high that I knew that no matter what I did, I felt like people would be underwhelmed. If you played Undertale, I don't think I can make anything that makes you feel quote unquote that way again. However, maybe it's possible that I can make you feel something else. I feel like that quote is incredibly relevant to what is happening here. That's a powerful quote. I, I don't, I can't make you feel how I made you feel before, but I hope that I can make you feel something new. That is inspiration. Toby Fox knew that whatever it was that he did to follow up a game that's considered a masterpiece by many, including me, I love Undertale, he knew that there was nothing he could do to follow up that game that wasn't going to be considered a failure just because it wasn't exactly like the first one. And I think him coming out and, making, and saying, maybe I can make you feel something else, 
I feel like that's exactly what Naughty Dog was going for. The Last of Us Part 2 is not the same kind of adventure that The Last of Us Part 1 was. It was something different. It left you with a different kind of feeling throughout the game and at the end. But that does not make it a bad game. And I'll say that out of all the reviews and all the negative things that people have left that I'm about to get to, I haven't found a single thing about this game that could possibly justify giving it a 4.9 out of 10. And I'm going to give you my personal review score after we go over some of these reviews from other people. The biggest things that people had to say about The Last of Us Part Two when they were in the comment section. And I'll go over a little bit of the story in a little while too. Alright, so let's talk about some of the reviews and why people are mad. First of all, I hate to say it, but some of the reviews were just commenting on how they didn't like the LGBTQ aspects of the game. First of all, it's no news that Ellie is gay. There was DLC that came out for The Last of Us that showed an adventure with Ellie and this girl that she was friends with that showed that she was gay. But people saw her kiss Dina, um, which is her friend and love interest in the game. That was the trailer, wasn't it? They saw that back in the trailer, and that was where some of the controversy started. Is if you would go down in the comments of that video, you would find comments about how, like, I don't play this game, you know, to see the liberal agenda. It's just... I don't know what to say to these people anymore. You know, I just, I really don't. First of all, Ellie being gay, it's not a crucial part of the story. You see her kiss Dina a couple times. There's a few scenes where they're together, but in a 30 hour game, it takes up so little of the time. And honest to God, if that's the thing that you can't get over, you need to stop playing video games and get the hell out of here. I don't know what else. Altogether, you go stay under your bigoted rock, your ignorant rock. (laughs) I just, right? It's just, what do you say to these people anymore? How do I explain to someone that they should care about others and that this isn't anything that they should feel threatened by? How do I explain that to people? I don't understand how that affects your gameplay. Like, you are still decapitating bitches left and right, and it is gory, fun, and lots of bloody nastiness, but they get hung up over a couple kisses? It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. You don't even play during those. You could probably skip those cutscenes. Like I said, honest to God, it was a minority complaining about that aspect, and that's why they gave it that score. But there are people out there that were doing it for that reason. So, fuck y'all. Fuck y'all. Oh, and there is also a transgender boy that you meet later in the game. Later in the game, instead of Ellie, you play as this woman named Abby, and we'll get to her in a little while. But along the way, along Abby's part of the adventure, you find two little girls. Well, you assume they're girls at first, except that one girl keeps referring to her sister as quote unquote her brother. So Abby finally asks the girl about that. She's like, hey, you know, I heard people calling your brother Lily. What's that all about? And you learn this amazing story of how this little boy was a part of a cult and when he identified was it the fireflies it was not the fireflies they're not a cult cannibals <laughs> she was a part of another organization in seattle that was fighting against wolf we'll talk about them later and this little girl was assigned to be married to one of the leaders it was an arranged marriage well she didn't want to be married she wanted to be a soldier so she shaved her head which is a big no-no in this culture and everyone tried to kill her 
And her sister was like, what's going on? Why are you doing this? And she's like, I just don't feel like I'm a girl. I feel like I'm a boy. You get a 30 second explanation of all of that in the game. And Abby's like, hey, so why do people keep calling your brother Lily? And the sister's like, oh, because P- because she identifies as a boy. And Abby's like, oh, okay, my bad. That's it. Bam. It takes 30 seconds to get through, and yet there are people bitching about this in the comment section of Metacritic. If I were to play this, I honestly probably would have missed out on that scene because I was grabbing a beer in that time. I'll get, it is an important part of the story, but it's just another one of those things where it's like, do you really, honest to God, care that much? That's just such a cool narrative, something that like shines a little bit more of that humanity aspect in this post-apocalyptic world that even if you know there are zombies and your friends and neighbors dying in the streets, that people are still going through these internal struggles and just trying to grasp a sense of self. That is incredibly motivational and inspiring and humanizing. And I have no idea why anybody would get mad about that. That's just asinine to me. Yep. Yep. I could not agree more. And honestly, it adds a pretty badass aspect to the story too. If you think about it, it's like, oh, this girl, doesn't want to just be married off to some person in her village. She wants to be a soldier. So she shaved her head and said, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Sorry, I don't want to get sued by Rage Against the Machine. (laughs) A little reminiscent of Mulan, not going to lie. Still very (laughs) badass. But anyway, talking about her being transgender was so minuscule and short. And like I said, the LGBTQ thing, A very few amount of people were actually complaining about that, to be fair. Very few amount of idiots. But they were there. Exactly. But they were there. And to those people, we say, go to hell. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) All right. So what else did people complain about in the reviews? What else did people have to say when they decided that a one out of 10 was justified for this game? They started talking about Ellie, how she wasn't the same person anymore. Okay. So in the first game, The Last of Us Part 1, Ellie was this 14-year-old girl full of wonder. And when you're traveling along with Joel, Ellie is so just, like, amazed with the world and, like, she's still a kid and she says funny things and she's quirky. You know, when you get to The Last of Us Part 2, it's four years later. She's, you know, 18 to 19 years old now. A couple years older later in the game, too, actually. And she's a lot more gritty and she's a lot more dark. And people complained about that. They're like, where's my Ellie? Not my Ellie. Well, let me explain something to you people. All right, let me crack my knuckles on this one. There's going to be some banging on my desk. I'm sorry, desk. <laughs> As you go through the story of The Last of Us Part Two, you when you complete chapters of the game, you also get flashbacks. Now, a few of these are about Abby. Like I said, we'll get to Abby in a little while. But some of these show Joel and Ellie and kind of what happened after Joel took Ellie out of that hospital in The Last of Us Part 1. Well, it's revealed that essentially as Ellie woke up, she was like, hey, what the hell's going on, Joel? Why am I not dead? Joel lied to Ellie and went, well, actually, they found some other people with the cure, so they didn't need you anymore, and that's why we're getting the hell out of here. And Ellie took his word for it at the time, kinda, but she was always a little suspicious. As the hospital burns in the distance as they yeah, drive it's just, away. <laughs> yeah, no joke. It's like, uh, there were other people. We're fine. We're fine. Let's get out of here. Joel, why is the hospital on fire? Oh, I don't <laughs> Why is that man holding his arm that's flipping you off? <laughs> Whoa, hey, look at that. All right, so 
throughout the four years in between The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two, you see some snippets of what happened in that time. And about the time Ellie was 16 or 17, she just, she got fed up with Joel because she knew that he was keeping something from her. So in one of these flashbacks, she finally says, either you tell me what you did in that hospital or we're done. I'm leaving you and you will never hear from me again. And Joel tells her everything. Joel explains that he couldn't live without her and that he couldn't stand the thought of her dying. So he went in there, killed everybody in the hospital and saved her from dying. But that's Joel's perspective. Ellie's perspective, which you hear about later in the game when she finally confronts Joel more about it is, you know what? That was not your right to do that. I had this one chance to make my life really matter in this world where most people's lives don't matter at all. And you took that away from me. That's Ellie's perspective of what happened in that four-year span. And she's grown resentment towards almost everybody that she loved in the first game. So people have been complaining in the comments, Ellie isn't even the same person anymore. Would you be? Would you be the same person anymore? Would you still be like, ah, everything's fine? Nah, probably not. But let me tell you what really happened. She got on on train with that uh, Avril Lavigne fate where she was murdered and then replaced just so that nobody noticed. Czar, your conspiracy theories are not welcome here. <laughs> Skater Boy is no no longer alive. You take that back. <laughs> she died. That was one of my other, you know, if you go onto YouTube, this is people's big complaint is look how flat of a character Ellie's become. Without taking into consideration how she must feel, for one thing, not even just like growing up, because she was 14 in the first game, and by the end of the last game, she's 20 years old, about. Were you the same person between the ages of 14 and 18 years old? Nah, puberty's a bitch. Hey, you're damn right. <laughs> and I'll find out as soon as it hits me one of these days, but that's what I've heard. Don't worry, that mustache will come in one of these days. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you borrow some of mine. I don't want your... <laughs> it's too much beard to manage. <laughs> that's another big complaint that people had is that Ellie's not the same person anymore. With completely, I see people who are on YouTube who review things for a goddamn living who aren't taking this into account. I think that's such a stupid and big oversight on their part that makes me really believe, back to that Toby Fox quote, and back to what I said a few episodes ago, no matter how great this game was, people were gonna be upset. And people don't wanna use their critical thinking and people aren't thinking about it anymore. They just wanted the same thing that they got in The Last of Us Part One and they got something different and that's why they're mad. It's part of that unbiased opinion we talked about. Oh my God, no, it makes me so mad. All right, the next thing that people really complained about in the reviews was Joel's death scene. Now, essentially what happens is I'm finally gonna talk about that Abby character that we talked about earlier in the game. So for the first two hours, you're playing as Ellie, kind of learning more about the town that her and Joel have found themselves a part of in the the, uh, beginning of the first game. Well, about two hours after you get in learning more about like Joel and Ellie's new world, all of a sudden you start playing at this, this woman named Abby who's in a ski lodge. And you go out on a little hike with your kind of not really boyfriend, Owen. And all of a sudden they do a big span of the town that Joel and Ellie are living in. And they're kind of like, there it is. Do you think he's in there? Not knowing what it is they're talking about. But a couple hours later, as you play as Abby, For some reason, and you don't understand why yet, that group that Abby is with came to kill Joel. 
And so they're looking for Joel. Abby is trying to find her him by herself, but gets trapped by a horde of zombies on her way down to the town. And who should come by to help them but Joel and his brother Tommy, who you met in the first game and who is also a big character that you're supposed to love. They're basically out on their daily patrol and they're running from zombies too. They run into Abby and they decide to help her. They save her life and Abby takes them back to like her lodge with all of her friends that she brought with. And they're like, hey, thank you so much for saving my life. What's your name? And he's like, oh, Joel, my name's Joel, and this is my brother, Tommy. And she immediately shoots him in the kneecap with a shotgun. Damn, not even any casual conversation. <laughs> You're like, why, why, why would she do this? What's going on? What happened? What's happening? So that's when you switch back to playing as Ellie. And Ellie essentially heard that Joel's in trouble. So he go she goes, on this hike to go find where she anticipates Joel's going to be. She finds the lodge. She gets in there, but she gets ambushed by the people that Abby is in there with. And essentially what happens, the gang grabs Ellie, forces her down on the floor, and she watches Abby bash Joel's head in with a golf club. She didn't even yell. She didn't even say four. (laughs) What a waste of a day. (laughs) Joel got glenned. Oh, straight up hamburger meat. I mean, if we're in the if we're in the area of spoilers, The Walking Dead is not off the table. Yeah, you know what? I that's totally fair. I'm in on that. The Walking Dead was one of the biggest shows in the country at one point, so that's kind of how Joel dies. It's super early in the game. So, what about the review? Why are people mad? Well, essentially, what they're saying is, well, first of all, some people are saying Joel shouldn't have died at all. And my retort to that would be, they wanted to make it very, very clear that this is gonna be Ellie's story. Ellie's story of like how, you know, this man that she thought she wasn't going to be to forgive was killed in front of her. And an earlier scene where we see Ellie confront Joel again about taking that decision to end her life for the sake of humanity away, she said the words, I don't think I can ever forgive you for what you did to me, but I would like to try to. So when she saw Joel die in front of her, people didn't understand the motivation. It's about Ellie's choices continuously being taken away. Her choice to end her own life so that she could give back to the world was taken away by somebody. Her ability to try and forgive somebody who wronged her in a way that nobody could ever be wronged like again was taken away. People don't consider how much shit Ellie has gone through and why Joel's death scene was actually really, really important. But once again, you know, if you look at the reviews, it's just like, how could they kill Joel? That was my favorite character. One out of 10. And you're just like, oh my God. Uh, Zombie game? It's not like everybody lives in a magical kingdom full of rainbow colored ponies. People die. Yeah. What's the first (laughs) rule of zombie games? Don't grow attached to anyone. They're gonna die. Not a single character. You never grow any attachment. You grow attachment to the zombie characters because they're the ones most likely to continue. It's like, did you ever play The Walking Dead, the like uh, Telltale series? Oh God, don't don't put me in that that PTSD flashback, oh. dude. Oh. Do you remember how important of a character Lee was to Clementine? Oh. And oh, Lee, Lee died in the first game. There were four other games after that, but Clementine still talked about Lee almost every game. Oh yeah, Lee was her biggest inspiration. Oh, and and you know the op. That's actually really funny that you bring that up because that is the opposite scenario where Lee was such a motivational inspiration to Clementine that mm-hmm. she was a good, like at her core, a good person. You know, she was one of those 
those characters that you could really define between um, on one side of the line as yes, you are a model character, you are full Paragon. <laughs> you know, I feel like Ellie kind of lies in that gray renegade Paragon neutral area. Renegade for life. Renegade for life. <laughs> So about Joel's death scene, people have been complaining about a couple things. The first one is that Joel shouldn't have died at all, period. And which I say, get the hell over it. You know, if you done an, if you didn't understand the significance of Joel dying in that scene with what I just explained with Ellie, that's your fault, not the game's fault. I'd like to see these people's reviews about Game of Thrones. I bet their heads just imploded. But it's not just about the fact that Joel died. Some people were complaining about how he died. They were literally complaining that Joel didn't get his justice by getting his head bashed in with a golf club. Like, that scene was brutal. I feel like more people would have given it a three instead of a one if if Abby would have yelled four. <laughs> story elements, the other, there's a couple other big things about the story elements um, that people have been complaining about. They didn't like how generic of a story they got with uh, this The Last of Us. Essentially what it was, was it was a big revenge story of what was going on here. It was Abby trying to get revenge on Ellie and Joel, Ellie trying to get revenge on Abby. Well, where did it all start? Well, here is exactly what happened. You remember in that first game when Joel killed everybody in that hospital who was about to, you know, kill Ellie? It turns out that the doctor that was about to operate on Ellie in order to get the cure was not only the leader, of their little clan, uh, the leader of the clan. You almost said cult. No, I was gonna say clan. <laughs> the leader of the Fireflies, he was also Abby's father. And Joel messed up a lot of people in that hospital, but, but no one more than the guy who was about to take Ellie's brain out of her head. He really messed that guy up. You see in the second game, Abby's perspective of essentially going through a hospital, you know, that was just raided by Joel, walking in and seeing your dead father lying on the floor. And from then on, you are committed to finding the people that killed your father and killing them. And you figure out that it's this man named Joel. So you spend the next few years trying to get your hands on Joel and you finally did it and you bashed his head in. So then after Ellie witnesses Joel, her father figure who she's kind of mad at, but still loves deep down, after she witnesses him get killed, she goes on a revenge story and makes her way to Seattle to find Abby. Along the way of trying to find Abby, she kills a lot of people. A lot of Abby's friends who were in the lodge who helped Abby kill Joel. But she doesn't find Abby until a little bit later. And Abby finds that Ellie just killed all of her friends while trying to locate her so that she could kill her. And so Abby once again tracks down this person. She doesn't know it's Ellie yet, but she knows that someone just killed all her friends and she needs to go fuck them up. So she goes to find this person and she finds them at the hideout that Ellie's been staying at with her girlfriend, Dina, and uh, Joel's brother, Tommy, and their other friend, uh, Jesse. Well, Abby makes his, her way to the theater, kills Jesse, shoots Tommy and disables him, and then sees Ellie and essentially took the high ground. She was like, oh my God, it's you. It's the chick from the from the lodge. I really hated Abby here. She was like, I let you live. I let you live and this is how you repay me? Like I'm supposed to give her the high ground? Like, cool, you let me live. You still killed the only, you know, father I've ever really had. So Abby kicks Ellie's ass once again, but Abby lets Ellie live. 
Well, Ellie tries to live a normal life after that by going to live with her girlfriend, Dina, and they have a baby through, Dina essentially is a surrogate mother from a different guy that she had sex with. It's a, that's a long story, it's not important. But essentially, Ellie tries to go on to lead a normal life. For a year, she keeps having panic attacks and flashbacks of Joel getting murdered. So Ellie decides to leave her family behind one more time to try and track down Abby. Now, Abby, after all of this, after she confronted Ellie for the second time, decided to try and go find what was left of the Fireflies because that's what she was trying to do in her half of the game when you're playing as Abby. On her way to California to find the Fireflies, she gets captured by a different organization that runs the town and gets tortured and beaten for about three months straight. So Ellie does eventually find Abby again, but by the time she ruins another organization and goes through and shoots everyone and kills everyone, and because she'd been tortured and malnourished, she is nowhere near the same fighting condition she was in three months ago. She's weak in the final fight between her and Ellie, you beat Abby very easily because of how weak she is. And you're about to drown Abby, so you've beaten her. And right before she's about to drown, Ellie lets Abby go. She's like, you know what? This isn't what Joel would have wanted. And even though I am so overwhelmed with the sadness of losing Joel and the anger at this woman, I'm going to make the first decision I've ever been able to make for myself, and I'm going to let her go. In my opinion, a pretty powerful scene, but obviously people did not see it that way. That's a powerful reflection of humanity right there, that she, the first time in the series of games, she gets to make a choice. She makes a choice to spare a life of somebody that she hates. And I mean, what does that say for humanity that they're like, no, she should have drowned that, that chick. That's funny because that's exactly what I thought too, you know? People are like, no, she should have died. It's like, what does that say about you? That's yeah. Oh my God. Like where have we, the, the people in the zombie apocalypse are more human than us who are living in a modern world <laughs> watching this. That is an incredibly cut down explanation of the story. The reason why I just explained it all is because one of the last things that people are upset about that I do not agree with is the ending of the game. They said, essentially they said it sucked. They thought that Ellie should have killed Abby. The thing is, these explanations that I've given out, you know, knowing that this is the only choice Ellie's really ever been able to make for herself and knowing that this isn't what Joel would have wanted and understanding that if she killed Abby, that someone would have gone to get revenge after her. It's a lot more complex than people really gave it credit for. And once again, they were so quick to just judge the game for what it was rather than using some of their critical thinking. I didn't like the ending, one out of 10. So after all of the reviews that people have given on Metacritic, a 4.9 out of 10 is what we're left with. I feel like this could have been combated very easily. And I mean, I know The Last of Us is a very cinematically beautiful story-driven game, but had the developers added the option of choice in how the game plays out based on that choice, I feel like a lot more people would have been satisfied because, you know, as we said before, Renegade for Life, there's a lot of people out there that probably would have killed Abby and it would have been cool to see if there were any future games after this, how those could be shaped by previous choices. Choice isn't something you should just give at the last minute. If you're telling a story, if you're telling a story and it's like a choose your own adventure game the whole way through, then yeah, absolutely. But to oh, just yeah. give that binary choice at the end of the game, 
I personally disagree with that, although I do see the point you're trying to make. Yeah, it does seem a little bit moot, especially if that is the only choice, although it could be seen as a big sign because since it is Ellie's very first choice, that it's the player's choice, which could have been cool, but also could have been very gimmicky to add one story plot at the very end that could diverge. So there's a couple other big things why the game was given negative reviews. We just covered the majority of what people had to say about it, but there were a few other small things that I saw every once in a while that I wanted to talk about. Some people said the gameplay had no improvements. Shut up, you're wrong. <laughs> I don't dodge. I d- <laughs> why didn't you dodge? Dodge. <laughs> you're wrong. I don't know what to say. If you think the gameplay was boring, you're wrong or you're just playing the wrong kind of game. This isn't a game for you if you thought that gameplay was boring. The sneaking was well executed. Killing people was satisfying. Killing zombies was satisfying. The crafting system was fun. Dodging was fun. I had a great time throughout this entire game. So if you thought the gameplay was boring, I just don't think you like stealthy fighty games that much, to be honest with you. I don't think that's the game's fault. That's fair. That's that's exactly an argument I would make because I am garbage, as I've said before, at stealth kind of sneak fighting games and whatnot. That's another thing that pisses me off about these quote-unquote professional reviewers on YouTube is when they take personal preferences and their own bias and use that as points against a game. It's like, like I watched this YouTuber the other day, and this is a little off topic. I watched this YouTuber the other day who said he didn't like Ocarina of Time because he didn't like that he had to go through story before he got to the dungeons. What? Yeah. I'm going to have an aneurysm. That's so much, uh, so much wrong. <laughs> and honestly, I don't even want to say the YouTuber's name because he's notorious for coming after people who disagree with him. So I'm going to leave him alone. Yeah, let's not poke the beehive of YouTube. And he's much more popular than we are. So I'm going to leave him alone. <laughs> I'm going to leave him alone. But what I will say is the only thing I thought of when seeing that review is maybe you should try hack and slash games. (laughs) Have you played God of War? (laughs) I think you'd like God of War. (laughs) There's there's a lot of death and a lot of pointless nudity that just leads to more death. Sounds pretty nice. My point there is that, you know, just because you have a personal preference that a game didn't meet doesn't mean you can use that as points against an actual review as the game. You have to learn to ignore your bias and be subjective about something. And that's exactly what's going on with The Last of Us Part Two here. I think that's our word of the day is, is unbiased. Subjective and unbiased. Because they're <laughs> not being either of those things. People are being so unfair in how this game played out. And for what I say about, you know, no matter what I say about professional game critics, quote unquote, I think they got a lot closer to what this game actually deserves than any of these idiots who are on Metacritic did. And with that, we come to what I think the game deserves. After you take into account all of the scores, I gave the characters a 7 out of 10 and I gave the story a 6 out of 10. Because for what it's worth, some of the character development wasn't there like it was in The Last of Us, but it was still good, which is why I gave it a 7 out of 10. And some of the story aspects were a little lacking. So for the second half of the game, you play as Abby rather than playing as Ellie. I don't want to play as Abby. You could have learned Abby's motivations just from the cutscenes, which I just would have been 100% perfect with, but I did not care about her side of the story at all. In fact, that's exactly what I should have, what I think they should have done. It's just, you know, as you get closer to Abby, maybe give you tidbits and flashbacks as to what her motivations really were. 
but you play the second half of the game as Abby. And I was like, oh my God, I don't care about you. You know, her side of the story was bland. I didn't like any of the characters. But that being said, I still had fun playing as Abby. You know, there were some interesting moments and interesting people. Most of all, you know, the transgender boy and his older sister. And the gameplay was still there and fun. And for that reason, the story got a 6 out of 10, which is still above average. We have the rundown, and we know that it is sitting with the official critics at a 9.7, did you say? I thought it was 9.4. 9.4? Somewhere in that avenue. And the users are rating it as a 4.9. And so, just as a brief rundown, visuals and sound, you gave a 10 out of 10. Gameplay, 9 out of 10. Game mechanics, 9. Voice acting, 9.5. And finally, story six out of 10. So my question to you, if you were to put a rating on Metacritic, what would your official score be? The average from all those aspects is an 8.4 out of 10, man. I mean... 8.4 out of 10. That sounds like a very accurate review of this game. An 8.4 out of 10. Some people... The problem is when you go on and just rant about this game when you don't actually put any thought into it, you can't have any like actual interesting in-depth conversations about the game because all you hear about are these idiots that keep ranting about the things that don't really matter who can scream the loudest yeah exactly but if you give this game an honest proper review and a lot of my friends agree with me who i've talked to about this this game deserves an 8.4 out of 10 is it as good as the last of us no it was not supposed to be It was supposed to give you a different experience. It was supposed to make you feel something different. And people didn't understand that, or they did not want that. They wanted a carbon copy of The Last of Us, and they did not get that. And that is why The Last of Us Part Two has been so disenfranchised by the community that claims they absolutely love The Last of Us. It's really interesting because, as we said before, the official critic review was around a 9.4. Yet your average score was still nearly an entire point, give or take, lower than the critics. So that to me says that as stupid as the user score is for sitting just below a five, that there may be some truth to that, that the critics may have been a little bit biased in how big of a game this is and they slapped a very good rating because they knew that this game was on track for game of the year without giving it the more accurate review obviously the opposite for the users was not accurate and nobody was accurate in this review but i don't know it's just interesting to see the differentiation between your user score against the major critics And that's why I say you have to be wary of critics, because, I mean, I feel like with most critics, especially those for like, you know, the big publishers like IGN, maybe they go more off of like anticipated hype and popularity when they give a game a score without like critically looking at it. Even if that's not true, I also just see a lot of inconsistencies on the things that they have to say when they do rate games. The two most important things when you're giving honest reviews of games are subjectivity and consistency. Game critics usually aren't very good at doing that, in my opinion. But on the other hand, this has proven that neither are the hordes of people that just wanted the same experience that they had with The Last of Us and weren't even willing to give give this game an honest look or an honest try. 
moral of the story, all of you listeners out there, don't be a subject to ratings. Don't live and die on what you see things rated online. Experience it for yourself because as we just spent like an hour talking about, it's inaccurate on both sides of the spectrum from the users and the professionals. Like what, who do you believe? You believe yourself and you go out there and if you are truly interested in this game, you give it your own unbiased playthrough. Make your own rating. But just don't put it on Metacritic because then you're one of the you're part of the problem. <laughs> you know, even if you don't like something, doesn't mean other people can't like it. And if you do like something, doesn't mean that other people can't have critical things to say about it, you know? That's what's supposed to make this fun is that we all have varying opinions on what we played and what we experienced, you know? And you may have a different opinion from somebody else. That's what makes doing this fun. What doesn't make it fun is when you attack people for what they think or for sharing how they feel, which has gone on an outrageous amount because of people who have tried to say positive things about this game. And if you don't believe me, go over to Video Game Donkey's channel. He actually gave the game a pretty good review and a pretty good rundown and had really good explanations as to why he felt that way. That is one of his most disliked videos that he has ever posted on his channel. Man, people are are really not willing to look at the big picture here. They look at a puzzle piece and say, no, this is crooked. I hate this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we've covered what led us to this point. We talked about the game and I even gave it my own review. The big question is, where do we go from here? And when I say that, essentially what I'm asking is, can this still win game of the year? Does it deserve to win game of the year? Will there be a sequel? Let's answer those in order. Can this still win game of the year? It's really, really hard to say. The beautiful thing about Game of the Year is that it's voted on by the fans of video games. You know, it's not the critics. It's not the gaming companies. It's the people who play video games. Like watching the Kids' Choice Awards in 2000. You're damn right. God, that's when I discovered SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom. So can this game still win Game of the Year? If it were just based off what critics had to say about it, Pro- absolutely. If it were only based off what these people on Metacritic had to say, absolutely not. This game doesn't even deserve to be talked about ever again. But you have to really take into consideration the type of people that actually go out of their way to go onto the Game Awards website and vote on all of the categories. The people who actually go to vote on games that, not just for Game of the Year, but for all the other categories, I feel like those are people like you and I are, people who actually like to take a look at video games for what they are and try and be unbiased and try and think of things critically. And I think that's the majority of people who actually spend the time needed to go vote on what's going to be game of the game of the year and all the other awards given out. So even though this game has been given such a negative review so far by its users, I'd say it still has a pretty good chance of winning game of the year. You know, I honestly, I I do believe strongly with how much hype has been surrounded by this game, how much controversy and just how much attention it's received since it was announced. It's going to be on the ballot, whether it wins or not is, is anybody's guess because we still have a lot of the year left and few more strong games that might be coming out towards, towards the end. So it's, it's hard to say if this one will win or not, but I think it's going to be on the docket. 
it does have the possibility in my mind of still winning game of the year. I think that's still on the table. I think it's possible. We're going to have to wait till the end of the year. But you know what? Go. Let's look past game of the year. Let's look at the long term here. Will The Last of Us Part 2 get a sequel? Will there be a The Last of Us Part 3? I think there will be. The very end of The Last of Us Part 2 is Ellie returning to the house she abandoned with her lover Dina and their little baby, and the house is empty. Dina told Ellie, if you go out looking for revenge again, I'm not following you, and I'm going to leave. And she did just that. Oh, that's so sad. It's very sad. Oh, I'm going to start crying. So Ellie gets back to their house. Dina's gone. All their stuff is gone, and her baby is gone. And the only thing that they left behind was uh, Ellie's little room full of her art and her guitar. And the last thing you see is Ellie wandering back off into the woods, and we presume it's to go try and find where Dina went. So I think there's going to be a sequel. At least a spinoff, like at the very least a spinoff. DLC maybe, a spinoff maybe. What I can definitely tell you is there's going to be more of The Last of Us to come. The story is not done. And I just hope when it finally does, I know it's not going to happen, but I hope we learned our lesson and try and take another subjective look at this game and really give it the rating that it deserves. For all the controversy that began, this was a fantastic game. This was a special experience. I had a lot of fun playing this game and it's one of Naughty Dog's best works and it's going to be such a shame if their reputation is soiled because of what a few people who can't use their critical thinking has to say about it. But again, we got to keep in mind how much they soiled their reputation before the game even came out. You're not wrong. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our review of The Last of Us Part 2. Oh man, I feel I feel all the pointy, knifey comments just sticking out of my back right now. I, You know what? I'm looking forward to it. If people have something they want to say or if they disagree, I can't wait to hear other people's perspectives. Like I said, that's what makes this fun. But Bring on the hate. I'm flexing my non-muscles right now. We've got a really good rating on Spotify right now. Who knows? Maybe that'll go away after this video. Yeah, probably. We're, we're going to be buried. <laughs> Zach's going to get back like, what happened? What happened? I was gone for one episode. No, Zach, you were gone for a lot of episodes. Zach is is visiting his parents for the holiday, by the way. That's why he's not here. Yeah, we did. it is what it is. Everybody's doing their own things. I'm glad everybody had a safe and nice holiday. We missed you, Zach. Come back with all your fingers and toes. I'm out of energy. I, I am too. Much like the game, I don't think this episode had a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say that I feel a lot better getting that off my chest because I've been thinking about what I'm what I was going to say in this review for a long time. I beat The Last of Us Part 2 like two weeks ago, you know, and I've been letting it all stew ever since. And it feels good finally kind of getting it off my chest and being able to talk about it. And it's kind of time to close the chapter on this and just start looking forward. What's happening next? Where do we go from here? Paper Mario's coming out soon for the Nintendo Switch. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> That's going to be the next big one. But until then, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode of the podcast. Zara, what do you think? I think we said our piece and we started a war. So me, I said my piece. <laughs> <laughs> I just crack jokes all the time. They're not cannibals. I mean, you don't know that. I do. You didn't see what they were going to do. It took out her brain. You don't know what they're going to do with it. 
Maybe they're going to serve it with a side of rice. Dice it up like Liv Moore in that show iZombie. I'm fucking done. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. We will see you in the next episode. You just got your game tea.